We are back. We are back. <laughs> Hello, guys. What is up? My name is Dylan. Welcome to the Popcorn Podcast. This is episode number 13. Lucky number Run out 13. Of th Fingers. 13 is your lucky number? No. Uh, episode 13. <laughs> Welcome back, everyone. It's Thank been a little while. Hello. Hello. We, are here. we are joined with the OG gang. If uh, you guys have been watching since with episode one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have. Guys. Welcome Dylan. back, Theo, Panwa, Mickey. We've all been off doing our own little things. We some, have indeed. Some more collaborative than others, but uh, well, we've all been working on some pretty exciting stuff that we will eventually be sharing uh, in the coming months, I would say. Yes, yes. Well, yes. me? Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, maybe not in the coming months, well, but know, yeah. Exci exciting, ex very exciting stuff coming. You guys have uh, been working on features. I'm still in the shorts, but <laughs> <laughs> next time. Uh, <laughs> anyways, what is the what, the reason we are gathered here today? We are here to talk about Martin Scorsese's new film, Killers of the Flower Moon. So I just do want to just straight up ask you guys, what do you guys think of Martin Scorsese uh, as a filmmaker? I know, like. If you are somewhat into films, the name there's no way the name has escaped you. Uh, Theo, Sorry, who? 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 What, what are you fucking now? Scorsese, Martin <laughs> Scorsese. Um, yeah, I was. We were talking just before, but I was gonna say like versatility is like the first thing that comes to mind, and that I think that needs to be taken to, into account with a director, um, in terms of the sense of someone that's able to look for you know interesting philosophical you know conflict stories in any genre um in any state and i think he's just sort of cross genres and there's not many directors that that do that you know you've got spielberg and and um kubrick um but other than that most directors sort of seem to stay in a, in a certain lane um which is which makes it more exciting makes it more fresh when each of his films come out yeah he's definitely one of the directors that's covered sort of the most genres out there i mean his catalog is is full of just basically everything uh, do you guys think if we're talking about the greatest of all time or the goat debate do you think in your eyes do you think Martin Scorsese is to put it simply the goat I think he's the fourth best you think he's the fourth best I think he's my favorite okay for sure undoubtedly out, out of out of any everyone. filmmaker to ever exist he's my wow. favorite like he is he is my guy cool. he's the dude who made me love cinema um wow. but he's not the best he's like the second or third best. Interesting. Who would you put above him? The best just is Kubrick. Um, Spielberg is the best. I would have to say Spielberg just because of my personal connection. But yeah, you, you think you said you said Spielberg, fourth best. Uh, Kubrick, Kurosawa, and then Scorsese. I would say Kubrick, and then Scorsese. Could you could you make time. an argument that Scorsese is like a, a mature version of of Spielberg in the sense that his films are just sort of slightly more mature in theme? No, because Spielberg's done. Like yeah, he's dark done. He's done dark well. films, but how many dark films? Not to the level of Scorsese, the level of Scorsese though. Like, like Spielberg loves a fun film too. Yeah. He's got, like you said in the previous episode, a Hollywood heart. Like a lot yeah. more kids oh, yeah. can watch Spielberg but, films than. But has Scorsese made a, a sort of light-hearted film? Hugo, Hugo. Other than Hugo, so so Spielberg's made King Schindler's Comedy, List, New York, New York. You know, he has he has done a few. Mm. I will say this one thing about Scorsese and Spielberg and stuff like that. You know, we talk a lot about last time in your Oppenheimer video that uh, the directors who make films for themselves and for, for the audience, I think that Spielberg is someone who takes something that's very interesting and throws it to the masses. Scorsese is someone who takes more obscure topics, things that not aren't necessarily uh, widely acknowledged or, or interesting. And he's going to see and he basically says, I'm going to take this kind of obscure thing but I'm such a good director and I'm so good at my job that I'm going to make you interested in yeah. it. You know, and I think one of, this goes back to what he said when, you know, the, probably the most famous interview where Scorsese talks about his advice to other filmmakers. Is you got to be serious own, about making a picture. Yeah. Sure, that too, but he says basically make your own industry. That's a, that's a good impression. It is a good impression. You sound like the, the puffer fish from I do a pretty good Scorsese, but now I'm on the spot, so I'm not going to do but it he does it, it like that. Yeah, he, he does that like that. Anyway, um, but uh, basically what Scorsese says, build your own industry, make your own industry, do something that is interesting to you and if you're good at it and if you can back it up with craft people will be interested yeah you know where spielberg is the flip side of that where he's, he brings his craft to stuff that is already very widely so the approach mm. is the thing that's yeah. different yeah, 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 between yeah. The in two. my opinion great well uh we're all gathered like i said here to talk about his latest film killers of the flower moon mm. so before we do get off into that discussion mm. uh i'm going to give you guys a brief plot synopsis i just do want to give you guys a brief spoiler brief spoiler warning a massive spoiler warning if you haven't seen the film uh please do not listen or watch further into this episode please go and watch the film decide what you think of it and come back and uh check out what we thought so without further ado 
Killers of the Flower Moon juggles love, greed, corruption, and unspeakable betrayal, amongst other things, in what is a three and a half hour true crime western epic coming to you from the legendary filmmaker that is Martin Scorsese. When oil is discovered in 1920s Oklahoma under Osage Nation land, a spree of brutal murders fueled by greed and the desire for power falls on the people of the Osage Nation. Following this injustice, the FBI, in what has known to be their first big case, steps in to unravel the mystery. Right, guys. So we have all seen Killers of the Flower Moon. Mm -hmm. I want to ask you guys about your individual experiences watching that film for the first time. Well, because mine is the most boring of the bunch, (laughs) objectively. Because we've all had slightly different experiences. For example, myself... Uh, I managed to check this out at the BFI London Film Festival at a press screening. It was eight o'clock in the morning. I had a coffee in one hand and my eyes gazed on the screen for three and a half hours. And um, one would think that would be a pretty terrible way to experience a film. You know, you'd be sleepy, you'd be tired, you wouldn't pay as attention as much. But honestly... It, you'd be surprised. Like mm. we remember last year, we did was, the whale like that, right? No, no, we did Knives Out too. Oh, Knives Out at too. Like eight yeah, in the morning. Yeah, yeah. literally eight in the morning. Yeah. It's it's not a bad way to watch a film. So I, I did the whale like that too. You did, and that was like that was that was a heavy watch for. Yeah, I did o'clock. poor things as well. Like yeah. Anyways, uh, Mickey, yourself, how did you? Uh, Bro, I just watched it. The cinema. I literally just watched it in a picture house. Yeah. Like just yeah, I was I was by myself. I just went like had a little date night with me. Um and uh, yeah, self care. I had a self care night with uh with the <laughs> was there was there many people in the cinema? Was it, it was full. Wow, rim. Really? But I, I saw it opening Friday. Uh, okay, it was full. Like when I tell you full, like front row, full, like mm. to the brim. I had like, I think the best seat. And I this is the first time in um ever I think where I have picked the seat to be on the aisle because I knew that I would go to pee. Yeah. But it was like a massive uh, screen. So you have like the side ones and then the middle ones and then the other side. Mm-hmm. So I was in the middle on the aisle because I knew like if I was banging in the middle, I would make 80 people go to pee. And I went to pee. Yeah. I mean, I watched this film again last night for the second time. Um, but unfortunately, there were like very limited amount of parties in the cinema. Oh, wow. it, was a, it was a pretty big screening and it was a bit sad to see. But I mean, the film's been out for what, like three, two, three, three weeks two now? Weeks. Yeah, two, yeah, two, yeah. two, three weeks. So yeah, but of course, I want to lastly come to you guys because right. I know you ha- you guys had quite a special sort of occasion where yes. you... Do you guys want to tell the folks about it? Uh, so Theo and I, we were buddies at the London Film Festival, as, as I was with Dylan as well. But um, that morning we did two. It was the only day we did two. Is we did May, December. Oh, yeah. Pretty good. We went for lunch and then we went to this film where we got to see Martin Scorsese in person. He would come and introduce the film and, and so with chief standing bear of the yes. United Nations. Well, usually at the London Film Festival, there's one day where we watch three films. Oh, God, yeah. And we were going to do we were gonna do a film in between May, December. Yeah, so and... we watched two, but then we go to the cinema yes. as like a palate cleanser. We watched yes. a shit. But we were very lucky that we didn't do that because it would have been too much. It would have been too much. It would have been like nine hours of cinema. But the film for us was quite physically exhausting because we were already in a cinema that morning Mm. and then a, a kind of a quick lunch break. Um, and then we went into three and a half hours, and we were sat at the very bottom, so our necks were just destroyed. Oh my god! At the so yeah, don't sit at the front of the London Film Festival as much as uh, like as much as you save money by getting the cheap seats. Also, remember you're just like the, the guy next <laughs> like, to me had no up. regard for personal space and kept like oh lunging into me for no reason. Three and a half hours. Do you, down my do you think? Well, like, I don't want to touch on the runtime yet, but do you think we'll that get the that. fact that it was premiere with Scorsese heightened the experience because the reason I'm saying this is because I personally did feel the runtime of Killers of the Moon for sure but last year I saw Bardo in yeah. the same way that you guys did with you Dylan yes. uh, with Inarito Bong there Ho is behind me. and <laughs> that one I did not feel and no. that one was also like three and a half hours yeah. Yeah, and right. I did not feel that to be that long so do you think that the fact that it you did were there feel in that vibe no, because we were like Oh yeah, you okay. Know, fair. And the guy was breathing down my neck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, yeah, extremely uncomfortable. Yeah. Mm. Well, so what is what is your current verdict on the film in terms of like how do you feel about the film? Just generally speaking, is it a film that you enjoy? You like? Can I go first? And you can go first. Can guys, just because okay. I can see you so like. I think to... we all have a, a certain level of respect for the movie and a, a lot of respect. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. But a lot of people have said that like this is Martin Scorsese's like one of his best that this should be his last movie that this is like a this kind of seminal career ending defining masterpiece disagree no i don't think it is his best no, film i don't no, think no, no. it's his best film i think it has a lot of his greatest 
sort of elements and trademarks as sure. a film yeah, 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 yeah. for sure um i think for me i think if you were talking about his personal sort of rankings and filmography yeah no no but i'm, I'm saying his personal sort of need to tell the story ah. see it ranks very high oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah if it were to be his last film it would i would sense. be okay with yes like i would be okay especially regarding the, the like the final moments of the film mm. you know if you've seen i film. think it feels like you know how once upon a time in hollywood is like tarantino's last epic like that's his and and now this whatever 10th film is going to be like his epilogue, epilogue and his like yeah. his like so i think this is what killers feels to scorsese like it feels like his his last grand you know this this epic of of a With film. With DiCaprio but and I, De Niro. Yeah, yeah I think he'll end up career. doing other stuff, but I do think this is his like last last hurrah. Yeah, mm, I don't know. What do it you feel feels like that. that. What do you feel least? about? Are you sad that it could? Fuck be? yeah, I'm sad. Yeah. Scorsese. Yeah. I would have him do films forever. forever. Have I you could. guys seen uh, another Scorsese film in a cinema before this? What was his last? Irishman. Irishman. I saw Irishman. So, I saw Irishman in a cinema. I saw, I saw, I've seen a, a few. I saw Hugo in a cinema. I saw Wolf of Wall Street in a cinema. You saw Wolf of Wall Street? Really? Yeah, yeah. How? Yeah. We yeah. were like 14. Yeah, but it's Bulgaria, Bo Bulgaria bro. <laughs> <laughs> I saw, what was after Wolf of Wall Street? Uh, silence. Silence? I saw Silence in a cinema. I've seen all of his films in a cinema. Wow. You yeah. saw Silence in a cinema? Yeah. <laughs> okay, just yeah. taking. Okay. I did. <laughs> right. Well, so now that we've talked a little bit about Scorsese and sort of his, or like just our general initial impression yep. about the film uh i want to ask i want to go into more detail about scorsese's approach to killers of the flower moon what about killers of the flower moon to you guys feels different in comparison to his other films uh can i yeah can i um i think i'm going to again speak on behalf of both of them i'm going to go on a slight monologue rant yeah bear with me and i'm going to shut up after this um I think that the, the big controversy that a lot of people have been talking about, I'm going to speak as fast as I can, is the fact that the movie is very long. It's three hours and 20 something minutes. It's actually shorter than, than Irishman, but people doesn't, doesn't seem to acknowledge that. Um, and a lot of people have been making an issue of the runtime and saying it, the, the movie's bad or subpar because it's long. And a bunch of buffoons on TikTok have been become quite viral because of that. This is not an issue of runtime. This is all an issue of, of ultimately three things. Uh, pacing, momentum, stamina, you know, uh, point of view, and the actual craft of the filmmaking, all of which we'll touch on in a second. But the first thing I really want to touch on is the fact, okay, okay. <laughs> Martin Scorsese, the best way to understand and appreciate Killers of the Flower Moon is by actually looking back at his previous six films, his previous filmography. In the early 2000s, Martin Scorsese made films that feel very, very Scorsese, but in slightly more experimental ways. These films being The Aviator, Gangs of New York, and The Departed. Moving on into the early 2000s, the first three films he made were uh, a kind of a, a trashy studio mystery in Shutter Island, which a lot of people. It's avoid. not a trashy it's, studio mystery. It's not a trashy studio. I still, mystery. I still like the movie, but I don't rate it as highly. And Martin Scorsese, that's his last studio movie, and it was because he didn't like making Shutter Island. He then went and made uh, Hugo, which is you know basically a family movie, right? A love letter to cinema. I love and then it. went and I made the most fast-paced and exciting three-hour movie of all time. After that, he decided... Until Babylon. Until Babylon, yeah. <laughs> um, and then he went into what I like to call the pensive, slow, uh, epic. Meditative. He made three films, which if you watch the trailers of Silent, uh, uh, Irishman, and Killers, they are like marketed to be really fast-paced, exciting epics, like Kurosawa-level Japanese movie, you know, uh, like Goodfellas 2.0 and a proper big Western. They're not that. They are mm. slow, uh, patient, methodical films. But this is where my point comes in is, the difference that Silence and The Irishman have that this film does not have and why I believe it, this is one of its biggest flaws is focus. Silence has the single most straightforward plot in any Scorsese movie. Andrew Garfield and Adam Driver go to Japan to find Liam Neeson. That is it. That's the movie. So therefore, you always know that they're either going to find Liam Neeson or not. That's literally the movie, right? It's so straightforward. And then The Irishman, no matter how crazy it gets, no matter what character's point of view you're seeing it from, be it Joe Pesci or Al Pacino or De Niro, you always get cut back to old Frank Sheeran. So therefore, you always know where the movie is going. Same with Oppenheimer, where you always know it's going to end up at that deposition with Downey in black and white, right? So... Killers of the Flower Moon does not have that. So you never know. You're sat there for three and a half hours. Uh, you never know where the movie's going. Oh, yeah. I kind of I, I disagree. Okay. I, I, go, I, go, I actually go disagree with that okay, too. Okay. I, I agree with everything that you said about yeah. about why it's maybe a little bit different than his other films. Yeah. But I, I don't think you know where it's going to go. You don't. Well, you know, saying... you know that it's going to go like plot-wise. Yeah. Yes, they are going to 
there's going to be repercussions. There's going to be a reckoning. Yeah. But I actually thought that the 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 best part of the film was that we didn't know when all of this was going to implode. Was gonna, right. So we didn't really know what the fuck was going to happen mm. with Jesse um, Plemons. Uh, yes, Plemons, uh, his character. So that to me was really okay. interesting. But the issue that I have is that. I don't mind a film where you're, you know, you're scene by scene by scene, where there is no clear end goal. Because Wolf of Wall Street is like that. Casino is like that. The Aviator is like that. But the things that these films have, the killers don't have, is my next point, which is a sense of energy and a sense of uh, unstoppable kind of force, right? Yeah, the yeah. visual diversity where no two scenes take place in the same location, where every conversation scene between two people, they're always different. Whereas our, I think our issue with this film, one of it is like, Every scene is the same people I wearing think the same costume, talking in the same rooms about the same things with the same close-ups and the same wides. And you know, and and it was like for three. If you if you want to do that for two hours, the way Fincher does in Social Network, fair enough. But if it's three and a half hours long and it's that it's lacking in visual diversity, oof, mm, yeah, there comes the issue. I'd say those the other films you mentioned have like a forward motion, yep. motion, yeah, yeah. whereas these films. Uh, the Killers of the Flower Moon, I think, gets so repetitive. It's like one kill, one kill, one kill. And then you've got Jesse Plemons, who's interviewing someone, interviewing someone, interviewing someone. And I think that sort of structure doesn't really help with the um, the runtime. Mm. And it's not... It, what's interesting is, like, some people think filmmaking is all about entertainment. No. A lot of the time, it's more about engagement with yeah. the audience. And, and in terms of engaging the audience... That's a great quote. It's like, this film, I think... You know, you guys sort of ha had a dig at me for looking at my phone. But the thing is... In, with Martin Scorsese in the fucking room, by the way. <laughs> I can't believe Who, that. Oh, my Theo. God. Theo, when you make it as a filmmaker one day, Martin we're Scorsese gonna go, is going to slap you. But, but for me, if I, if I, if I want to make... I'm just going to answer emails during Theo's premiere. <laughs> thing is, if I want to make a successful film... I want to make a film that doesn't mean that the people go on their phones. People don't go on their phones. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And I think by making a three and a half hour film, that loses that momentum, and someone needs to check an email or whatever. I think that's a, that's a failure of the film in terms of I, engagement. I agree. I'm going to preface this by saying I actually love three hour long films. So like I. I think my I think the 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 like perfect run runtime for me as a viewer is between two hours 15 and two hours 45. But a three hour long film I love. Like some of my favorite films in the last couple of years have been three hours. But you need to, um, as you said very well, you need to like keep it, keep it, keep it moving. How do you, you need you need a you need a level of high energy to pull off a yeah. three-hour long? How do you that's guys? Because Lawrence the, of Arabia is longer, it has energy. Yeah, Return of the King is longer, the, it has energy. Just the fact, the like, you, you, you need it to feel exciting yep. a lot of the time to pull that off. I'm not saying that's right. Maybe as viewers, we should be able to go through a four-hour-long film that's slow. Um, but you do. Um, but okay, I, one question I'd ask you is, as filmmakers, would, uh, what I think is you need to make the film um, as effective in the least amount of time possible. So like, mm. be a, be the most efficient with it. It's like that's a good point. We, as directors, how do you feel about that? Do I, you feel I, I, like, I disagree. Um, because like Lawrence of Arabia is great because it just has shots of people riding around in camels for like twenty minutes and that's why it's good. But I guess with slow it. cinema, well, it's not slow. It's still like really yeah. fast paced. I I get what you mean. I agree to a point where I think you should be efficient with. The I think screen you time. should strive to be efficient, but it shouldn't be a necessity of film. There are a lot of films that are slow and a lot of films that really take their time to breathe. And I would say like. We were talking before uh, we started this about, I mentioned Midsommar, and Midsommar's directorial cut is three hours long, and it does feel long, and it is very slow, and it does breathe a lot, but I was never bored during that. Could that be more efficient? Fuck yeah, you can make Midsommar, you could probably make Midsommar like an hour 40, and you could pull it off. Yeah. But I think sometimes through this efficiency, you lose a lot of the color and the depth of the Yeah, of the you do. Like okay, so deep doesn't need to be that long, but it is. The fact that yeah, it is, yeah, exactly. Two long. questions I'd ask you about Killers of the Flower Moon then would be, one, do you think it could be edited down to two out, yes. two and a half hours and yes. be like a really efficient? Yes, 100%. Yes. Or could you edit it up to a four hours prestige TV? Yes, so yes, this is a, he, Theo said to me that he thinks one of the cool ideas that he had was, and he doesn't have a lot of cool ideas, <laughs> is that um, he should, we, they should have been turned into a miniseries, mm. which would have been fantastic. It's going on Apple anyway. Yeah. This is the thing. It's it going on Apple fantastic. anyway. So do you, do you guys not think that maybe one should ask the question, 
simple fact, the fact of the matter is, are you actually interested in the material? I, I the, am. The story that I he's am. trying to tell. Because, you know, with, with, with three-hour films like Lord of the Rings or Wolf of Wall Street even, you know, you ha- there is a, there's a sense of like, well, the Wolf of Wall Street, which we'll talk, talk about soon, mm-hmm. um, that there's excitement that comes from the characters just mm-hmm. watching them do whatever the fuck they want yeah. for for three hours, and the, and the filmmaking is it has this sprawling sort of yeah, uh, yeah. momentum yeah. towards it. Killers of the Flower Moon, like you guys say, you know, it's visual diversity, sure, but like, I don't know how how much can you do with like where we're, we're focusing on one location on uh, on on two specific groups mm. of people, and a lot of it is essentially just talking in, in rooms. rooms. But but my point, just to clarify, is talking in rooms is fantastic. Like Twelve Angry Men, I think is the best ever dialogue-driven film. Social Network is just talking in rooms, but they do that with energy, with with dynamism, and I think Scorsese, actually, dare I say, kind of like in his trilogy of slow paced yep. you know methodical films has slowly but surely lo- lost that a little bit and because you don't have the backup of you know the japanese landscape or the fact that every location in the irishman is different or that there's action going on uh, uh, quite a lot you feel that more i would say that um i agree to a point but i think the main issue with it is not actually the i i'm very interested in the subject matter actually so that's check same. but then i think the main issue is not even that they're talking in in the in the same rooms or the same or, or even because the energy is there both yes. through the performances especially in the performances yeah. and also thelma schumacher yeah amazing like yeah. one of the best editors of all time she smashed it to keep that the f- pace the up the first hour of the film like i said yeah. to you guys vanished yes like, I it does just went so thin i actually think the issue is like really quite simple and it's that a lot of the conversations are about the same thing yep. so that's why i think you could it's cut it down to two hours yeah. 30 is because a lot of what's going on it, it, it reaches a high in plot not in energy so it reaches a point and then something happens where it drops back down and then it goes back up again but you could just ki- kill that second slope down yeah you could just keep agreed. it there. agreed completely it's in- interesting you guys say this because i do kind of agree with what you're saying but i also have another take on it in the sense that I remember seeing an interview with Scorsese and his sort of, like I said, approach to this film. And he said that he didn't want to tell the story from the outside in. He right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 have I think yeah, that's he, a he brilliant. Wanted, he wanted to tell it from the inside out, yeah, yeah, looking yeah. at the, you know, the relationship between, you know, Ernest and Molly. Molly yep. And I think ultimately that is the thing that grounds the yes, story. I agree. It doesn't matter how repetitive things get. It's getting it's repetitive, and we're talking about different things. But the relationship and that dynamic and the intensity of that and what's the 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 the, the right the the line between right and wrong is always is constantly being pushed and pushed and pushed until the point of like almost explosion. Mm. That is the thing that really is the thing. I, that, agree. That, that I agree. I'm invested. I agree. In. And that's why I don't. I, I I mean I I didn't find it boring. Yeah. I wouldn't call the film boring. I would just say, coming into a three and a half hour film, you need. A certain level of stamina regardless yep, like if you're you know you you need to come prepared to yep. watch something and really get intellectually sort of get get a grip yep. on it that's that, that that i mean that's that's my take on it but so you're gonna say i have one final i've addressed my first two issues with the movie and i'm going to address my last one now real quick and then i can we can move on to the good stuff uh you talked about the whole outside in inside out thing martin scorsese talked about that when he spoke out loud and we got oh, yeah. to hear him but my issue that's where part my final issue lies is that actually the movie actually kind of feels confused because number one, you wanted to do as much justice as you possibly could to mm-hmm. the Osage people. And that's actually partly why I think um, this is such an important movie is that he's not making it for himself. He's not making it for the audience. He's making it for the Osage people to do justice to them. And that's why the movie feels so procedural. and has to be so careful and sensitive because you've got to tell everything to do justice to them adequately, right? But you cast Leonardo DiCaprio as the lead, you obviously have to give him screen time and he has to be the protagonist. But you also then can't have a sympathize with him too much because ultimately he's kind of a despicable character. And then that's why Lily Gladstone, who is ultimately the powerhouse and the spine and the oh, heart yeah. of the movie, who's fucking amazing, incredible, she should be the main character, but she can't really be because you just cast Leonardo DiCaprio. And, there, and also, if you do even actually bite the bullet and make her the protagonist, doesn't work because she's asleep for the I second hour that, of the movie. That yeah. would have been such a cool twist as well. Yeah, like you know how he went from the inside out. Yeah, he could have gone even further in, and he could have um, 
made totally money made her straight the up the made it could have become like a paranoid thriller. have you seen yep. that so video essay that's yeah. about why passengers is from the wrong perspective yes yes so it it's must be from really Jennifer really Lawrence's quickly point of view, oh that's it that's a i want to watch quickly. that so have you seen passengers yeah really quickly so it's there's this video essay that goes like from his perspective we know everything going on but from her perspective it's about this weird guy who is like who is like mm. there for so now there's the sense of mystery and yep. not understanding and everything. Yep. So I think this is I I just thought of this when you said yeah. it, but I think it would have been actually mm. maybe so quite cool cooler. to have killers be from Lily Gladstone's yes. perspective and have it? Leo be a stranger to her as well. I watched it for a second time last night, mm. and what was amazing about that, even though I would say I did feel the runtime a little bit more on the second watch, mm. because you know you kind of when you, when you watch a film for the second time you're kind of waiting for things to happen, like you know what's going to happen, you're waiting for these scenes so. The scenes you're watching play out naturally feel a little yeah. bit longer. But the amazing thing about my rewatch was I was actually able to look at the events taking place more from the perspective of, of Lily Gladstone. Gladstone's mm. character, of Molly. And that was when I really began to sort of emotionally connect with mm. the film a little bit more. Mm. I think the film has issues and I think the runtime is obviously going to turn a lot of people away. It shouldn't though. But it shouldn't. It shouldn't. The yeah. pacing uh, should. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think when you actually get a, like, when you actually get an understanding of who this story should be about, be about, or uh, the, point of view. The, the, the point of view and the focus of the story, mm-hmm. being you know Molly, yeah, um, a, a story about her. That's when I really feel you'll be able to make like like feel like the magic of this film because at the end of the day she is like you said she's the power she's the heart, she's the heart and soul of this she's film. amazing she rounds this she's entire amazing. film but you know why making her the protagonist also does work and they shot themselves in the foot and Theo said this she's asleep for the second half of the movie she's yeah. in bed the whole time but, but isn't that unavoidable though I mean, yeah exactly like, so like, like you yeah. shot yourself also in the foot. no come on that's an over exaggeration yeah. she's not asleep for the second half of yeah, the no, movie like for a significant no, time no she's for asleep. about an hour she's but in I, bed yeah but it's a three hour and a half I mean, long film like. <laughs> I know how to get out of that problem though is that you should have done like an Irishman where it starts the film you restructure it slightly with her you know after all of the events and she's older and then she's you know she tells the story to like a daughter or a granddaughter or something and therefore you know 100% from the get go that she is the protagonist and even when she's put out of the incapacitated you can then cut back to her and she's still speaking or how about, they, oh sorry go, but they go do on. have different perspectives in, in the thing she does narrate yeah some of the yeah, yeah, yeah so does, like, like you know what would have been cool also is um you know how she is asleep for like one hour yeah. of the film. How cool would it be if you basically, if it was from her perspective, you cut that hour completely off. Yeah. So she falls asleep and then she wakes up and shit has hit the oh, fan. Yes. And we got to figure out what the What's fuck happened. happened. Yep, like yep, yep, whilst, yep, yep, yep. why was she asleep? What was going on? Like you got all these things that need to unravel. So that creates a sense of mystery. To the film That's well. a good idea. I, I think That's it very all just idea. goes back to what you were saying and Scorsese's approach here. Scorsese's watching this and he's like, <laughs> fuck, why did <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's his the responsibility he feels to do justice to not this one story, yep. but an entire nation. You can't take and the that history. Many that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't. You can't. I mean, like, sure, it would be cool because we watch these as movies and we yeah. love movies but and we like the people, sense of excitement. But exactly, it's 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 uh it's like uh, kind of what you were saying on the first time of Oppenheimer. It's like a historical kind of oh yeah like piece that exists to represent a certain. Uh, you know, a gr- group of people, yeah. a community, and that is exactly what Scorsese did. We all know, like the 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 the, the troubles of that like, he had to go through to make this film. It took like six years, a lot of back and forth with you know the Osage people, yes. mm. and you know I, I remember him saying like he could have even gone more. He could have gone four hours, five hours, you know. Um, so yeah, I don't. I think I mean the story, the way the story is constructed, is completely different to how he would usually approach. Yes making a film of this. Mm. Of, of, of but this, that, uh, that partly comes with the responsibility exactly. of having the weight on your shoulders. I have one exactly. uh, request for the audience, though. You've just heard this loudmouth talk for extensively about his issues <laughs> with the movie and how <laughs> he very much felt the pace of the three and a half hours. And there are a lot of people on the internet who didn't feel that pace and thought that it was fantastic. And I would love to hear why you... And, like, I want to see that movie because I love Scorsese. Mm. I want to watch that movie. So could you, in the comments or something justify because i've just spent you know i think just to throw something something out there and i do think i speak maybe for the couch Mm -hmm. correct me if i'm wrong but killers is a good film yes it is It, it, it there are faults to it i think that mainly come from the pacing of it and some of it from the plot side and some of it from the writing side the lack of focus like there is just you could condense that script maybe you could you could 
change things up. Like you could remove things and add things if you wanted to keep it that way. And there are issues I personally have, but it's still a like a good no, it's film. A great, it's, it's a crusading film. Great, like, can I, can I ask you guys a quick question in terms of? So my favorite thing about Killers was was the performances. Yes, I, just I thought, agree. I thought I one. I thought De Niro. Just like the dude, like he's, so he's old, but he's still just unbelievably yeah. like dominates every scene. And I also think Leo. Can we talk about Leo quickly? Let's let's oh, do it. Good. So, I, I I listened to a few podcasts recently where people were sort of like, I think Leo's a bit overrated. Like no, he does the no, same I don't thing. Think so. no, no, no. And can we just talk about where he stands in sort of the all-time greats? Ooh. Is he? Is he? I part think Leonardo of... DiCaprio is the greatest movie star of all time, and I think he was certainly in. How the do top you define 10. movie star? Gets butts into seats. Someone who people yes. would want to go. No, 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 no. The greatest Tom movie Cruise. star, the greatest, the greatest movie star to get people into if seats. I guess it's Tom Cruise. It's Tom Cruise. Yeah. But like, get people Pure to talk on, about it. Because like, this, this film would have been successful if it wasn't for for Leo, because it is yeah. crazy. Like, I can, yeah. I, I went on opening night and it was full, and I can, I, I would say eighty percent of people would have gone there if Leo wasn't in it and if it was just Scorsese, because Scorsese is a name on its own already. Yeah, yeah, even the marketing for this film, it doesn't really have Leo, Leo as, as central, yeah, yeah, yeah. As, as 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 like uh, as it would do with a lot of the other. I mean, to be honest, that's because of the strikes. Yeah. So yeah. the reason Scorsese is doing interviews is not because they're not putting Leo, it's because nobody no, besides no, no, no. Scorsese... I'm not saying to do with the interviews, I'm saying to do with the trailers, yeah, the yeah, posters, yeah, yeah. that yeah. kind of... But right. also, also, Leo does feel like less of a presence in the marketing because he's not allowed to talk about it. I'm, right. no, I'm purely saying from an... Yeah, yeah, like, no, just, I know, I know. But okay, so, but, so yeah. question in terms, of, in terms of like, so you've got the all-time greats, which is sort of Daniel Day-Lewis, Marlon Brando, Philip Seymour, what's his name? Philip Hoffman. Um, Marlon Brando, Marlon Brando, Al Pacino, Don't Denzel? Robert De Niro, Robert Denzel De Niro. Washington. Is so Denzel you put in that? Yes, yeah. top three for me. Now I'd say top three, not in this order, of all time would be Robert De Niro, Daniel Day Lewis, and Leonardo DiCaprio. Wow, so he's in your. And top then three. Yeah. and then you have I people th- like Tom Hanks. Yep. He's and then you and then so but of Leo's age group, you've got. Christian Bale, Brad Pitt, oh, Brad Pitt. Oh, I forgot Christian Bale, um, Johnny Depp, Bradley Cooper. You know, there is a wave of actors Ed Norton. coming in. Now. Also, by the way, Meryl Streep. Yeah, you know? yeah. Uh, <laughs> I thought we were talking about male actors. You know? like, yeah, I was going through the male. I was going through the male. Don't fucking gang up on me. <laughs> um, but no, you got a, a new wave of actors coming in that are like in their 30s now that could well be in that list in like 20, 30 years. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, to I sum think, up Theo's point, yeah. DiCaprio is goated. He's, he's like pushing. Oh, yeah, for yeah. sure. Oh, he yeah, has, yeah. He's worked with the best selection of directors. Like he's done Nolan, he's done uh, Tarantino, he's done Scorsese, he's done Spielberg, he's done, you know, everyone. Like I think he's got the best balance between drawing the audience just through just pure charisma, but then also being a bit of a character actor yes, as well. 100%. He and I think that with Calvin yeah. Candy, I think. And there's not many people. I think Jake Gyllenhaal probably is more of a character actor and less of a, like a movie a star. star, movie star. Mm. Um, so you have got those like really fantastic actors, and Christian Bell is probably another one. I don't think he probably carries the film in the same way Leo does. Dylan, uh, what do you think about Lily Gladstone? I think Lily Gladstone for me is like almost more or less stole the show. Best actress? I th- oh, absolutely. I uh, think for this year, Oscars. I th- Best oh, actress? It's between her and uh, Emma Stone and Paul Things, I think. For you, Emma Stone, okay. I think so. Um, I think Lily Gladstone, like I said, is the heart and soul of this film. I think she does so much with so little. Mm. She, The way she just uses her face and her eyes are so telling they're like like so so dark and and whatnot and she she says so much just with her eyes alone there is a scene towards the end of the film where i can't remember his name but is confessing to uh murdering her sister in the mm. film and basically he's just sort of just ra- like rambling in the courtroom saying yeah yeah and then i just basically killed her and then i uh, um, think he sort of positioned her and, a shot. And, and he's just sort of just saying it like just how it is and there's just one shot of her in the in the audience kind of and you just sort of melt in your seat as you see her like it's just it's it's, it's incredible she, and she, was, she was cast because of her eyes like the way that yeah. she acts i didn't know that. Yeah. i didn't know that. actually a super this is my favorite scorsese fact is that he hates eyebrows like acting with your eyebrows so he will he's do got takes, quite prominent eyebrows. He, <laughs> he will do takes again if the actor is over expressing with their eyebrows so he chooses actors that are most expressive with their eyes and she was cast over zoom because of how expressive Incredible. she was already Insane. with her eyes over Zoom. And he is right, by the way. Yeah, she is fantastic. fucking unbelievable. She's, she's brilliant. Like, her, and it's her eyes. Like, the way she would just sit there and do 
nothing and you feel everything yeah and that's why i also think is like the majority of the film she's she's a very quiet sort of brewing character that when shit starts to hit the fan and then she has these outbursts those outbursts feel even sort of more like Crazy, and you really feel. For the, I mean, I think that character is brilliant. I think she's the best character. I also gotta love film. the dynamic power, the, the the dynamic between the, the the power play between her and Ernest, because yes. you know DiCaprio. We talk a lot about eyes mm. and stuff. Body language as well is another thing which I think nailed it. There's a scene where like DiCaprio's kind of running around, and he's kind of he's quite like a you know Gideon. Yeah, he's quite an energetic person. And she's very still, and she's just sat there, and then he's trying to close all the windows, and then she just goes like, just leave it. Yeah, and that is a, a microcosm for their relationship in the entire movie because. Because ultimately, he's kind of like this very loud person. He's always moving around. And even when that he's driving her around the taxi, he's like looking around and he's just sat there. And you, and therefore, it's a wonderful contrast in body language that only fantastic actors and a fantastic director would be able to notice. Absolutely. Here's something really interesting just to throw out there. Um, Robin Williams says that good comedy exists when the actor doesn't find whatever they're doing funny. And that's basically true. Like, if you find whatever you're doing funny, then the audience doesn't find it funny. They want to laugh at whatever you're doing because you don't realize how ridiculous it is. And Robin Williams says it works the same with drama. If a character finds it really easy to feel sad, for example, then we don't find it that easy to empathize with them. So we want a character that is less expressive and more still. And that then creates, A, it creates in our minds, a sense of mystery, like what is it really that they're feeling? So that's engaging to us as viewers, but then also B, that makes the character just more interesting because if somebody just balls out every scene, it gets boring and you don't really empathize with them that much versus when they do have a final outburst three hours into the film, you're like, holy shit. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a rule that Scorsese follows a lot where throughout his filmography, with various exceptions, we see a lot of characters who are quite composed and that's actually makes things really interesting and exciting for us to watch. Very well said, yeah. Mm. But another thing about DiCaprio as well, I think like people just looked to De Niro and DiCaprio to like really be the stand-up performances and we got Lily Gladstone and it was amazing. DiCaprio does something incredible with his face as well. Yep. Like the, 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 the frown. He has like a fake Yeah, yeah, yeah the entire... Yeah, fake teeth, the frown, and like sort of him really becoming someone else. I did not see DiCaprio what's like yeah. whatsoever. Does he have fake teeth in it? I think so. Yeah. yeah? Does he? Something like that. Yeah. yeah. Really? Yeah. Huh. And also, obviously, yes, I, I got to rewatch it. <laughs> when do I have eight hours again? Sorry. And obviously, <laughs> Sorry, Robert, Robert De Niro as well is yeah. like he's playing a character that has to, f- like, you're sort of he's a terrifying character, but he's also got to be charming. Yeah. And sort of really those are the walk best kinds line. of villains. Yeah. Yeah, it's so good and mm. so compelling. I think um, certainly there are some films where DiCaprio plays the movie star, like Inception, he is yeah, the, the movie star. Titanic, he is the movie star. But I think in something like this, in, in Django as well, like he plays the character and he disappears into that character. And he's, it, it takes a rare actor to be able to do both. Yeah. You know, and I think in this film, it's very much a, he is the character. He's not the movie star. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. What do you guys think about the other supporting uh, actors and characters? All fantastic. All fantastic, I think, uh, yeah. I remember watching, because obviously last night when I watched it, the FBI... Are so cool. I don't know why. Yeah, They're just so yeah, cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like Jesse Plemons just comes along and then um I read a comment that went like, I love that the FBI figured all this out by just asking a dude. <laughs> like they literally just figured out they just went and they asked and oh, okay, sure. Fair enough. We're gonna but that's like, how that's how crazy the whole situation yeah, yeah, yeah. is. The, the idea that like, you know, this wasn't like a bigger thing. And the idea that, you know, this story hasn't been it isn't something that is just not I wouldn't say commonly known, but like not many people know about this. Mm. I certainly didn't know about this. And, you know, it's a really yeah, dark yeah. chapter in American history. And I'm so, like, I'm so glad that, you know, Scorsese, like, I don't think there was anyone better to yep. really sort of bring this, yeah, yeah. bring this film in and sort of give its day in court. Um, I thought, I, I think it's terrific. What did you guys think of uh, Brendan Fraser? He was, he was uh, in shortly. I, he was I so him. good. I enjoyed I'm not, him. I'm not going to lie. There was, there was a weird bit where the audience laughed no, because I, he said something like, what did he say something oh, about he, boy he was like oh was you dumb, dumb boy, boy. Yeah. I don't know but people laughed at that line reading it's like they were kind of I don't know I don't know if they were laughing I at thought him. he was great not, I, I won't lie to you I love Brendan Fraser I really do yeah. but I think I'm not gonna lie I think he's stuck out like a sore thumb I'm not gonna lie really I just I, 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 I kind I just, of got I, can't, I was on I just I just, I just I was like in the film and then he came in and started shouting and stuff I was like wait what well, when like, he shouted I just don't I don't feel like his voice is almost deep enough for yeah. that he's sort of like, I thought he was great I thought he I think he's good but like I think he's meant to be like a slimy kind of out of place guy there 
Yeah. I enjoyed it. I don't the know. It just did this. I don't know how it just sort of played. And, and mind you, it was at a, it was towards the end of the movie, and I was like exhausted. I was like, "Thank <laughs> you." Oh, actually, that's a good <laughs> point. That's a good point because oh, when, when he shouted, I was like, "Oh, okay, I'm, I'm, back, I'm watching back, again." Back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you you woke up from your sleep. Yeah. Although, I have one important uh, kind of it, not important, but it, it was an interesting thing that Martin Scorsese said when we listened to him speak because uh, we've listened to Martin Scorsese speak in real. We had a conversation. He spoke. We listened. You know. Yeah. Um. He and then said, Theo went on his phone. And then Theo. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, um, thanks for the three and a half hour film, mate. <laughs> he said, um, he in his opinion, he's, uh, he said in, in his opinion, one of the last major westerns, like proper westerns, was The Wild Bunch by Sam Peckinpah. And if, if anyone's seen The Wild Bunch, it's a really exciting kind of adrenaline that. ride. And he said that he wanted to make something like that, which is so interesting because in the same way that Silence is not really a, a, a Kurosawa-esque Japanese adventure or The Irishman is not Goodfellas 2.0, it's actually like, you know, a, a much slower and more patient film. Um, this is not a proper Western. This is indoors. You know, it's conversations. There's no guys riding around on horses shooting guns and explosions. There are, but not nearly as much as you'd expect in a, you know, if he was comparing it to Sam Peck and Pa's Wild Bunch. And so I would love to actually see Scorsese do one of those like a proper mm. like guys riding around on horses because I feel like he just have so much fun I, I, love do, I, do, I, I think so but I, I will say like one of the things I love most about Scorsese is the way he does murders and like kills yeah it's like, it's like, a, like a wide shot and before you know it the person it's already dead. happened yeah. and, and, and I'm thinking like like of course that's how it would be of yeah. course of course it's so nonchalant like, exactly and it's I think it's brilliant he does it in the Irishman and he, 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 he does it really good in the Irishman I mean yeah. the, the best one is I'm not going to say the movie but the elevator Oh yeah, you know yeah. the ele- Oh yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a spoiler, but yeah. the ele- it's the best one. Second. Yeah. No, I know. But that, but that, but, but even, yeah, yeah. But know, even, know, even yeah. that is supposed to be like a shocking thing, yep. and it it doesn't go away from the scene. It lingers on the scene. Yep. But I'm saying, like in general, when you're portraying like murders in the street, yep. you you just have a, a, a guy walk up to another guy and pop him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's like it's really nothing cool. happens. And like I said, like you, before you know what's happened, the, the, the scene's moved on. Also, I've, I've been speaking very like critically about the lack of like interesting visuals or whatever. There was one scene which I absolutely loved. And it was a scene which actually reminded me of Paul Thomas Anderson's The Master, where, you know, there's Joaquin Phoenix and Philip Seymour Hoffman. But this one is DiCaprio walking into the jail cell to talk to De Niro. Oh, and it's shot yeah. kind of through the bars. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. That know. was cool. That was cool. I thought, oh, cool. Like, OK, where was this the whole time, you know, um, and stuff like that. So the movie does have its visual moments, certainly. But by no means is this his best collaboration with Rodrigo Prieto. Actually, this is a personal thing. It's not a criticism. I didn't like its visual style. No, neither did I. It's it's not a it's not a critique because yep. I don't think it's like objectively bad. But yeah. it's not. It kind funny. of felt like an Apple TV I thought, film. I I thought the opposite. <laughs> I thought it was like overlit. Like yes, I, it yes, was yes, very. Yes. It felt very studioy in yep, a. Yep. But not because Apple has this like. A24 minimalistic modernistic feel mm. usually whereas I feel like this, it has a grey it has a grey scale it, to it, it. It, does, it, does, yeah. it does whereas this I, I thought had like I, I just wasn't that big of a of a fan no. personally which surprised me because I, I usually love the way he's yeah played. especially with Rodrigo Prieto shot Wolf of Wall Street shot Silence he shot Irishman and then I think this one it like it does feel very samey. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I don't know why, but it just wasn't for me. Like it's not it's a same, critique. It's same. Just is, it, wasn't is it? For me. Is it? When you say it wasn't for you, are you saying you weren't sort of like? I think what? it's literally the the. It, it's not even the shot composure. It's the language of the whole film. Yes, yeah. I agree. It, it just like it did not. Even like the color schemes and the way, yes. I think mainly it came to the lighting yep. because uh, the lighting was very prominent on purpose. Um, so he wanted it to, I think he, what he wanted to do, he did, and he wanted it to feel this way, but I think, um, personal preference, personal preference, okay. it was a bit over stylized for me when it comes to that, that w- the subject matter did not really fit the language for me, the visual language. Hmm. Yeah, because I mean, you would expect a, a much more muted sort of. Oh, so I thought it was too muted. You thought you thought it was too muted. You thought there were things that too muted. What do you mean? Uh, I just the, think the, the colors were definitely muted. The, yeah, I the think movie that didn't have the... any color, um, which I would have liked more color. Uh, just a per- again, personal preference. I don't. Th- I think they did the right. You know, really, yeah. I think the opposite. Nah. I think it was really like bright and not. So you not said not, you, I, you, I don't think it was vibrant. Your but issue it, was a matter was, of lighting. Th- My issue was a matter of color. But even you, as you a think matter like of consistency color, and it's confused. No, no, no. no? I, I think it's very concise, but it's it's very like bright and in not. It's not vibrant, so it's not like colorful, but it is very. In your face, I thought. I mean, he, they did shoot on location. Like, and, like yeah. silence. What is is very 
gray and minimalistic, but in a good way, I think. I think silence is perfectly colored. I think think it's perfectly colored. I think silence is so vibrant. Vibrant? Yeah. Yeah. I think we have, yeah, which is, yeah. yeah. Are we watching it? Swap eyes or something. I don't think it's vibrant. Silence The greens are so rich and like the greens are greens, the blues are blues, the blacks are blacks, oranges are oranges. I don't know. Yeah. It's got this like cold throughout You need to watch it. The blues are so, like it's, the blues are so blue. It maybe, sounds so stupid. Maybe, no, no, but that's maybe, it. Like maybe. the Irishmen, the whites are whites, the blacks are blacks. Yeah. You know, the greens are greens, the reds are reds. This one is just kind of like it all just feels like, like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, and you can tell that from the trailer. It yes. kind of has yes. that sort yeah. of aesthetic. But yeah, like I said, I don't think it would have worked as well if it did have like, like all of this yeah, camera moves. Yeah. And duh, 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 duh. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They needed to sort of ground the story and like props to Rodrigo Prieto for shooting Barbie and and then this, and this yeah, like the crazy. Anyways, to, to to sort of hone this all in, guys, what do you guys think about the idea? That this could, in fact, be Martin Scorsese's final film. I know we touched upon it. I think he's making another bit. one, though. I would DiCaprio. like for him, if, if it is. I would like is. for him to make a really intimate film. Last next. one, like, last kind of go back to like Taxi Driver roots. Set it in like, New York, bro, you know, even, like even like even even less, building. even less. Okay. I really mean, like a really genuinely make a two-hander. Like make a really intimate, very like Agreed. Completely di- agree. like dialogue-driven two characters and like like a before trilogy vibe like i want him to make something really tiny and finish off on that so that he pulls like kind of a tarantino thing where he does like epic and then epilogue epilogue. i think that that would be like a perfect little although i will say the ending of this film was absolutely 10 out of 10 i think i agree the ending was fire absolutely specific are you talking about the martin scorsese coming on and being the announcer but i think the whole fact that he decided to finish the story in this like comical storytelling way Oh. which is a critique on the fact that he is making a film yes. Yes. about this yes. thing that was like such Genius. good self the level of meta, understanding yeah, 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 no, yeah. for sure I'd, i'll be completely honest that that sort of pantomime-esque kind of scene yep. that they sort of sing the fate yeah, of this yeah. i didn't really know how i felt about it i yeah. still i'm still kind of like mm, i'm not sure but to see scorsese sort of that, come on, that on made stage it. that made it yeah that was like that that, that is why i asked the question mm. You know, it kind of feels it like it does he's feel like his last. Goodbye. Yeah. It, does, yeah. it does. I also think it's quite a cool idea f- just for filmmakers to do because instead of just doing like the, you know, a- at the end of some films, you have like the, the text, the text saying of what happened in real life and who survived and who died. Yep. It'd be quite cool if the director just came on and read it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just came so, at the what? end of the film instead of the text, you just go. And by the way, in the true story, this is it's, what it's happened. It's not Tarantino. Well, no, and then like what he's just refreshing it. David Fincher accepting your friend request, <laughs> and then he comes on. Yeah. When, when when I make my last move movie, when I make my <laughs> you're free to check the king. <laughs> no, Ron, no, Mickey, no. How did you just say that? Do you want to stop Dylan or not? <laughs> I rewatched it last night too. Not me. <laughs> not Hermione. Not Theo. Yeah. yeah. When I make my last movie, see, my joke is gone now. I was gonna say Fuck the last sake. shot is gonna be Theo on his phone. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay. Yeah, like I said, just to conclude this episode, what have you taken from the whole experience of watching Killers of the Flower? I got to see Martin Scorsese in person. Okay, well, which is cool. Yeah, I mean that's and pretty, I, I respect. Um, Leo, It'll be in like my top ten probably list of the year. Leo's like the goat, De Niro's the goat, and Molly uh, Lily Gladstone's really good. I think Scorsese is awesome. Yeah, keep going. Keep going. I love everything he How can. How old is Scorsese? Like eighty-one. I think he can like point the camera at a wall and I will watch and it and I'll, and I'll be like you know what there was some good themes in there Yeah. so fuck yeah go Scorsese mm. yeah. which actually can I bring my last question which apparently you guys said was interesting I didn't think it was very interesting but is there such thing and audience please participate is there such thing as Scorsese tax by what I mean is is if you if a movie's really bad and it's directed by Martin Scorsese, but if it's objectively really bad, will people just say it's actually good because it's directed by Martin Scorsese? Because I respect him so much that even if he shits like complete dog shit, I would still give it an extra half star or an extra one star on Letterboxd and I'll still say it's good purely because it's Martin Scorsese. Is there such thing as but good are you time? are you saying purely because it's Martin Scorsese or are no, you because saying I think... you watch the film and you can see why he made certain yes, choices and yes. you accept even them. if I don't like them, I I respect them. That's okay. my thing. Is it's like. If even if you don't necessarily agree with the movie and necessarily like the movie, because it's by a director who's so good and is is, is so bulletproof that you would think, 
maybe I'm the one. I, 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 for me, I think each film you have to earn, you have to earn me over from fresh. Like I have, I don't okay. know. Who interesting, you... interesting. But I, I, I mean, I think it's not even just Scorsese tax. It's other it's, directors. It's, it's well, other though. filmmakers' bias. Like, there's always going to be a certain level of bias. Yep. If you're more into that filmmaker, yeah. I think with something like Killers of the Flower Moon, you know, like we've talked about the runtime all throughout mm. this episode, three hours, 30 minutes. The issue like, is not the runtime, it's the other thing. Exactly. We about. But at the end of the day, right, you were talking, Mickey, about like what the perfect amount, what the perfect runtime is for a film period. What did you, what, like, what, what okay, you say? so for me or for the like, world? Generally, generally. Scientifically. So scientifically, apparently, I read a thing that said the perfect runtime for a film, uh, also this comes from the three-act structure, which I think is a little outdated, but whatever, is between 95 minutes and 110 minutes. Okay. That's the way Too that short, we man. are, we are, that's the way that we are meant to view media basically in attention a, in a span film. yeah atten- yeah all that stuff yeah. is between ridiculous. 95 and 110 i do think that's like a really because i think 80 is too short then you're like what the fuck happened but i think when it does go above two hours because guys we're film geeks but a lot of people most people are not they're casual moviegoers the regular person statistically goes to the cinema twice a year so that's like nothing mm. so to those people a three-hour-long film is a commitment. Like, it's really crazy to them. So it is true that 110 minutes feel very satisfying, but also not over the top that you would be like, okay, I need to go to dinner. I need to pick up my dry cleaning. You know yeah. what I mean? My yeah. last question to all of you guys, no explanations, nothing, just say it. Uh, what is your favorite runtime? Like, if you were looking up a movie's length on IMDb and you saw that runtime, you'd be like, oh, yes, I like that. Two what hours you... 30. Two hours 30? I'm yeah, two hours 35. Two hours 30. Two hours 30. Uh, 110. 110. One hour yeah. What? What do you mean? 110 minutes. 110 minutes. One hour 50. Oh. What the fuck? I was like, what? one hour 10 minutes. Why? I was like, I, didn't... <laughs> I was just thinking like 110 minutes. Okay. It's really short. Yeah. Wow. Oh no, but that, I, I, uh, no, I that's an hour 50. No. Hour, yeah, hour? That's, fi- that's short for me. Nah, that's not short. Anything below two hours is short for me, in my opinion, because I've watched like four and a half hour movies. <laughs> yeah, I, I almost, I feel like as I've grown older, yeah. my, uh, like, my taste for longer films has definitely. Same. Yeah, same. Like when I was a kid, I was like, "There's no fucking way." But also, do you guys know the amount of movies that are really like, like in across the Spider Verse is like two hours two and hours, a half. Yeah, yeah. Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning is really long. Oppenheimer is really long. John Wick Four is really. Long. These are like all two and a half, two yeah, hours. Yeah, yeah. 40 I feel, plus. I feel like that's more to do with the trend in Hollywood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I. That's what I feel. Do you think the trend? Oh God, another question. Go on, but go on. do you think the trend will stay? I hope it does because I like long movies. Was Barbie two hours? No, it was an hour and 50. It was an hour hour 50. So Uh, perfect for you. I think, um, unfortunately, money talks and longer runtimes do, whether we like it, mean it turns way more people off. And naturally, the film isn't. It's all, make it's no, no, no. Avatar two, Avengers Endgame, Titanic. Yeah, okay, but, okay, yeah, but, okay. They, but they have okay. existing There's a few IPs. things. There's a few things. Scorsese's also film. Avatar two makes a lot of money because of IMAX. So if you adjust right. that, it it also obviously, of course, that made a lot of money. But that's another factor. But there is also the point that if it's a three-hour-long film, you can only fit so many so in a screening day. Yeah. In a day yeah. So it, they will make less money because they can't be shown you that know, many. That's why yeah. Justice League was cut short. Oh, that's that why. doesn't surprise me. Ridiculous. Doesn't, but yeah, you that's can, not even going to that shit. I think I think three hours is a current trend, but I do think, like when we were kids, like if I was nine and I I, I asked my parents like, how long is a movie? Like if you didn't know two anything hours? about me, oh my god, that's so they'd long. say no. I think two hours is like most people when you go, how long is a movie? They'd go like two hours, maybe a little bit. Under. Yeah, but I, I think th- in twenty years that's gonna become two hours fifteen, yes. two hours thirty. So it's I think the, the average, yeah, the average is going to go above two hours, uh, but not three yet. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah, I think, I still think three is like, yeah, it's an, it's it's quite an ask for yeah, yeah, people. Yeah, I agree. Um, but yeah, guys, I think that is it. I think that is our discussion on Killers of the Flower Moon. Be sure to let us know what you thought of the film, whether or not you think it's one of Scorsese's best. I want to say a massive thank you to my fellow guests, the OG gang. Pleasure. pleasure. Uh, thank you. Mickey Panworth, Theo, thank you so much for coming and chatting uh, all about uh, Killers of the Flower Moon and Scorsese. Ne- uh, is, is the next time all four of us are going to be together going to be Oscar? It will be the Oscars, which will be next year. Oh. Um, but yeah, guys, thank you so much for watching, listening, and I will catch you very soon in the next episode of the Popcorn Podcast. Cheers. Bye.